Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back this week for the TLT Supercoach Round 15 episode. Big week of footy, big week of Supercoach. We are another week away from another big buy round, a whole heap of carnage again. It's a, it's a good week to get a guest on that hasn't been on all year to get a different perspective because there is absolute carnage this round. There's a lot going on for the Supercoach public. And we've got Tim O'Connor from... Well, most recently, one of the hosts of the Supercoach Off the Bench podcast, which is fantastic, but previously from the Tragics podcast and some of the other ones, but Supercoach Off the Bench. Tim, welcome aboard, mate. It's the first one of 2023 for you. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, mate. It's uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, um, you can obviously find Supercoach Off the Bench pretty much everywhere. They've got it on YouTube as well, if you like the video. If you don't, you can get it as a podcast too, but... For us, this is obviously the Supercoach episode for the All-Stars podcast, and we do have Talking Footy episodes. It's going to be at the end of this week. But, Timmy, it was a pretty tragic week last week where there was a lot of low scoring and stuff, um, and it seems to be getting harder this week. We're going to go into the round, obviously, soon during the podcast, but there's a lot of outs, and it's it's really shaping up as one of those seasons where it's like you can worry as much as you want about those big buy rounds and the mini big buy rounds but really every single week now it seems we're not going to get any relief until we get origin over and done with and when that run home yeah mate it's uh, it's interesting that it just seems to coincide with uh coaches resting players that they normally wouldn't rest and players that seem to come out of the woodworks with the odd occasional niggle that um you sort of factor in that they're going to be there or they're going to back up or, or they'll at least get some time and they seem to be the ones that are dropping at the moment. So if Origin's not your issue, it seems to be the some of the extra guns that you've got in your squad that uh, that don't seem to be turning up week in, week out. So, yeah, look, some of the places, some of the players you used to be able to bet your houses on are, uh, are just not there at the moment. Yeah, and the other thing that's really come out over this buy round, is, which I think, look, a lot of the podcasts really uh, delved into throughout the season so far and certainly in the pre-season, at the start of this season, all through the season, it was all about depth for me and making sure you didn't have too many guys that you couldn't put in. Um, and that's become really important because, I mean, look, on the weekend, I think there was a lot of people that were really hoping even a Sonny Luke would play to be a 17th man and stuff like that. And those type of guys got pulled late as well. So certainly the teams, and there's some of these in the top 100, that have only got like 19 players, 20 players, are going to be really feeling it now because uh, they haven't really set themselves up right. But reality is probably over the next couple of weeks, you still have an opportunity if you are like that with the m- amount of cash available to be able to turn that into depth. Um, and that's certainly a strategy and, and something that people might look at as well. But definitely depth, Tim. I think the teams that have depth at the moment over the last few weeks and the coming few weeks, they're they're really going to get rewarded for that. Yeah, look, I absolutely agree. That, that's the biggest thing that I've focused on. I made sure that I didn't start with enough um, and basically haven't had enough the whole way through. Um, for anyone that doesn't know what enough is, it's basically a a, play, a player that you don't expect to play any time in the near future. Um, generally, you get them at bargain basement 200K um, and even better if you can get them with dual position so you can move them around and help you throughout these buy rounds to, uh, to switch players back and forwards from dual positions. But, uh, yeah, I've deliberately gone the whole way through with having a depth squad and uh, it's certainly paid off. 
in my round 13 round, I actually did really well. Uh, I think I had an 1150-something or other or 1160-something, um, and I think that even updated to a bit more as well. So I actually um, I had 16 players available for, for the round 13, which was just fantastic. Awesome stuff. Well, we are going to get stuck into a quick round review for round 14 before we hit round 15. But before we do that, I do need to mention the fantastic sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcasting, Picklebet. Jump on picklebet.com, have a look. They are a fantastic bookmaker, but especially if you've looked previously, in the last week or two, they have added a huge amount of new markets. They've got some fantastic same-game multis that you can throw on. Uh, last weekend, I had a nice win on a same-game multi. I was talking up Keon Kalamatangi, and I also liked Alex Johnston. Same-game multi that you could have got on Picklebet. Keon Kalamatangi, Alex Johnston, both to score any time. Souths to win 10 plus, and the match points over 38 and a half. That was massive odds that you could have gotten on that at almost seven bucks. And, you know, that was a real easy one for me. I loved all of those picks and ended up cleaning up on it. But if you like having a punt, go on a pickle bet and have a look because it's not just the NRL. They've also got great racing odds. Also e-gaming too, they pretty much specialize in. And you can jump on there and sign up and use the affiliate or referral code from this podcast and that is all stars, all one word. If you sign up with that code, all stars, when you sign up and make your account with Picklebet, they'll see that you're one of our great listeners, and they'll take fantastic care of you as a as a new partner that's on Picklebet. So go check out Picklebet, please. We will have a special all stars bet of the week that we'll throw up there as well. I'm still coming up with it at the moment, but certainly on the Talking Footy podcast, I'll mention it before the round starts. But Picklebet.com, absolutely love them. Jump on there. Your code is all stars, all one word. Think, is it a bet that you really want to place? And for free and confidential support, you can call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Tim, we do the Clint Eastwood segment at the start of this podcast when we're talking super coach, and that's the good, the bad, the ugly. We're going to look at the good in each of our teams for the round that's just passed. Uh, I actually had a good round. It's a good few weeks for me, which is a nice change. Um, ended up... On a 12.56, and that moved me up, which was nice. I think that definitely, though, my good and my thing that I was most happy with was I did trade in Keon Kalamatangi. Uh, he scored exactly 100 points, which is fantastic. And I felt I was getting him at a bit of a bargain, but it's also always nice when you get a pot in, only in 2% of teams, and they score 100. But it's just nice when it pays off, isn't it? So for me, you know, it was definitely big Keon. He, he came through with his try, came through with my bet. And he came through from my super coach team with 100 points. Oh, mate, that, you've got to be pretty happy with that to get cash out of it as well as um, bringing in a pod player who he fairly low ownership and um, he, he absolutely killed it. Mate, my good was uh, was Jermaine Asako. I actually brought him in last week and, uh, and was really happy. Uh, I put the VC on him. What was really disappointing was he updated three times over the course of the weekend. He started with an 89 and then went up to late 90s and then went to 102 or something. And then in um, after all that, he updated to 114. So I was really cheesed off. If, if I knew that he would have been um, 100 plus, I probably would have looped him as I only had 16 players eventually for the end of last round. So, yeah, he, he was fantastic. He played really well. Uh, he just seems to keep scoring tries, but his, his base has been good as well. So, yeah, look, he, he was the good for me for the round. He's like the highest averaging centre wing or fullback at the moment. It's pretty crazy. But he's it, it's also a really good move by you because it's a week where you know a lot of teams would probably hold off doing it because they were playing the Warriors away 
to going over to New Zealand, but also with a understrength side. Um, so that was that was a really good pick for you because I actually thought I I was looking at this week as a non Osako owner death riding a bit going this this last week could be the week that he actually throws up stinker. They only scored eight points and he absolutely slayed it. So that's that's really good. Well done. The the best update too was I actually traded um, Tomoko to him. So um, Tomoko only got about twenty five, somewhere between twenty five and thirty five. I'm not sure what he ended up updating to in the end, but. He basically had a, a BE of 134 or something along those lines. So he missed his BE by about 100 points and um, would have lost 100K for the second time in two weeks. So it was a good solid trade to go from him to Osako. Oh, that's gold for sure. And, I mean, it's always good when you can um, get rid of – like I, I got rid of Cartwright for Colin Matung and Cartwright didn't even play and he's peaked in price. So it was pretty much a perfect trade. Uh, there's certainly always going to be some bad, though. Uh, and the bad for me, certainly David Fafida. I knew would be low and I didn't really want to play him off the bench, but, you know, all intents and purposes, I thought Junior Tino I wasn't going to play because he's not getting many minutes and Tafare has just scored a four the week before. So I wasn't thinking that it was going to be too bad with, with Fafita, but look, he's my bad and my ugly all in one. It's bad because I played him and he got 16 points and he only played like 30 minutes and it felt like when he went on, they just never had the ball. They probably had about, 20% possession from when he went on the field. So he didn't even get a chance to run the ball, really. But the ugly out of that as well is that I've specifically held him because he was named to play and because he had the Tigers this week. And now, obviously, same boat as a lot of coaches. I got a terrible score out of him last week anyway. And if I knew he was going to play only 30 minutes, I, I don't think I would have kept him. But at least he was playing the Tigers this week, which even though the Tigers are going better, it's still a really good matchup for someone like Fafita. He's not going to play anyway. So that, that's a super ugly one, and that's that's going to burn me for two weeks now. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just get the bad and the ugly out of the way in one with Fafita. Yeah, it's interesting because he, he dropped 44K last week, but his um, his BE now is 149. So, obviously, he will he's not going to play this week. He'll miss next week, assuming he plays Origin. And then if last week ends anything to go off, he'll come back in for round 17 and might play in at 30 minutes again. At which point, if his BE is still 150 odd, he's going to lose a bucket load of cash. So he's actually on my uh, chopping block this week. Mm, we're going to get into him in detail when we get to market watch for sure. What about your uh, bad and ugly, mate? Yeah, mate, he was definitely my bad. His 16 was certainly not something that I counted on. Uh, as for my ugly, mate, my ugly was the late outs. Um, I actually went into the round with 19 players. I lost JMK, I lost Jack Bird, and then lost Sonny Luke. So Sonny Luke was sort of my Hail Mary in the end that I've just needed him to get to 17 players. And in the end, I only ran with 16. So that really hurt me, hurt my score overall. I ended up finishing sort of 80 to 100 under par and um, and dropped about 2,000 spots. So that really hurt me because I, I did really well the week before and, and went up a, a lot of spots, up about five 6,000 spots and then uh, then lost 2K on the weekend. Yeah, that's really tough. And when we're having a look at the scores of the round as well, there was 14 guys that actually scored 100 plus. So it's weird. It was it was probably the strangest round all season, I think, because there was such a disparity between scores. Uh, it meant you could really catch up. You could really fall down, but it also meant you could have a bad score and not move much. Like it was one of those, it was a super weird round. You, could, you couldn't predict what was sort of going to happen with it. And those 1,400 plus scores, I'm pretty sure that's around the highest that we've had as far as the amount of tons that we've had in a round but the majority of them were um, were definitely pods. Some of them were 
ultra pods as well that just uh, aren't relevant. You know, Semi Valame comes in with 114 points, the fourth equal best fourth score. Uh, Peter Hiku, his teammate at 0.6% ownership, and I don't even know how 856 people own Peter Hiku. It's, <laughs> uh, it was one of those sort of rounds. But there was these guys that, that did come through, and some of them that were pods are reasonably owned, like Sean Johnson at 127 points. But people jumped off Valentine Holmes, and I just got to mention that, 150 points. So many people got burnt on Valentine Holmes last week, which I feel bad because he was definitely the best scorer in 150 points. We don't have too many of those rounds where somebody scores 150 plus. Yeah, and it's been that way for a couple of seasons now. The 150 scores are just not coming out. Um, yeah, look, the, the the best one that I jumped on for the round as well, along with uh, with getting on Jermaine Osaka, I also brought in Johnny Bateman. Um, only 3% owned and knocked out 102. So, I thought he'd go all right. I didn't think he was going to go as well as he did, but mate, I will take that that uh, that hundred plus the the cash rise any day of the week. And now he's looking more and more like a keeper. If he can get back to his uh, Canberra Raiders form before he left and went back to the UK, I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, that's a nice catch up one. One of the ones that I think was really good as well that was highly owned was uh, Jareem the Dream Buller, 111 points, and he also made 118,000 just in that week. Uh, I had to apologise to the dream here because last week I didn't think he was a dream trading. I didn't think he was a must trading. I basically thought it was okay, but I sort of saw both sides of the fence and, you know, I, I sort of had the expectation that, look, he's got one really big score. I hope people aren't expecting him to turn up because he's only got one big score and then the other four scores we saw him is just this really solid young player with good base, base attack and maybe he's going to throw up a 55 or something. Is that really going to be worth it, you know, for a couple of weeks and then maybe need to trade him out and he's fullback only um, which really put the the line through him for me personally but you know, he's come out and absolutely blitzed it um, a second week in a row now and now he plays the Gold Coast so I'm not prepared to write him off I am prepared to say that I was oh, I would definitely change my tune on him a week later and say I'm much more heavier on the buy side of him than what I was last week. Yeah, it's, it's almost, strangely enough, he's almost in those categories where you say he's just about a must-have. If you can move things around in your fullback, which is exactly what I'm doing this week, I've got Jermaine Osako currently in fullback uh, along with Gutho. So I'm actually going to move Jermaine Osako up into my centre wing via Mano up into 5'8", and then uh, I can bring Buller in because, mate, if he takes the field this week, he's basically going to make you another 100K. Um, or close to it. Like if he, he's only got a hit of 40 or 50, which I think he's doing before breakfast time. So if he uh, if he takes the field and gets some points, which he certainly should against the Gold Coast, he's going to go up another 100K and, and probably then next week as well, much the same. If he gets a 50 or something, he's still going to make money in a week's time also. Yeah, and like I would say with him that I certainly think that he's a much better buy now than what I did last week. Um, hindsight's obviously great. He's It's the thing with young guys, you know, you can only go off what you sort of see in their sample size and there's always a chance they'll either regress or develop very quickly, one of the two. And you, go on, you have to make a bit of a guesstimate with them. I thought the Cowboys game was an outlier, but he was outstanding against Canberra. I think he's not in the top 10 most traded in, so we can. I'll just say my opinion on him now because we won't get to it in Market Watch. At a minus 50s BE, like you said, he's going to make 100K this week. So I, I think at worst, um, despite the fact that he's 570,000 now, you can trade him in because he's playing the Gold Coast, which is a great matchup for him. Uh, could have another big score in there too. He scored the last two games in a row. I won't write off a fullback scoring against the Gold Coast Titans in a high-scoring affair. 
Uh, but even like worst case scenario, you go the next two weeks, you're going to make over a hundred thousand and he's going to cover that round 16 buy for you. So even as a rental, um, and we do this sometimes where we say to ourselves, even if you just want to make, you know, your, your hundred or 140 K sort of thing in that sort of range, you look at the cheaper guys and try and get them. You can always do it with the more expensive guys. If you just got the right expectations and you're looking at it that way, you know, you may as well get someone like Bula who, has a chance to give you a big score this week, but we'll get you that extra cash if you're trying to generate cash at the moment for that run home. He can do that. The whole thing is that I I wouldn't do it myself, and that's because I'm pretty locked into the fullbacks I have. I don't have the trades to trade everybody out and back in. I've got Teddy there. I'm really happy with how he's going. He's got a lowish bank break even. Uh, he's playing a Penrith side that's a tough matchup, and I mean, they don't have Cleary. I just I can't trade Teddy coming off two 100-plus scores. Um, the other guy I've got is Drinkwater, and he's been going even better than Teddy, and he obviously covers the buy as well. So he's also got a low break even. So, you know, I'm pretty I'm, – I'm spent on my fullbacks. Um, so in those sort of positions, Tim, I think it's a bit of a waste of a trade. But certainly if you've got a centre wing in there like you do, then, it, you know, it makes perfect sense, like you said. Yeah, the best thing as well that after this round – so his, his third score in his rolling average at the moment is a 45 – so as long as he scores more than 45 this week, he's obviously going to go up in value again for, for the following week, like we said before. But 45 is a fairly low one to drop out. So I think his BE is going to be pretty ridiculous for the next two or three weeks. So there's a, a world where you hold him for three weeks or hold him to the end of origin. You might end up being able to trade him down to somebody like uh, like a Teddy and, and bank the best part of 200 or 250K, which is just unbelievable come that time of the season where you can then – upgrade some of the other guys that you kept through the buys to back to some of your origin guns like Fafita or Payne Haas. Yep, 100%. Um, a couple of little um, negatives about him though, and there's not really very many. You know, even your floor on buying him now at this point with those 200s is you're going to make a good amount of cash and be able to trade into someone really good and he's going to come around 16. But small things, he doesn't play around 17, something that people need to really be careful of because Tigers, Bulldogs, Cronulla, Cronulla in particular are very popular. If you end up with too many of those guys around 17, you're going to get absolutely burnt. So, you know, I, I know Tim, for instance, you know, teams have stocked up on players like Nicara, um, certainly players like Bateman are becoming more popular now as well. And there's a lot of these sharks where people have got their eye on them and wanting them like Ronnie Militalo and so forth. If you've already got a, a number of those guys in um, or you're wanting to target those guys over a Bula, you can't have them all. So you really got to be careful counting your numbers for round 17 and, and planning ahead. That's one thing. Um, the other thing is that, you know, obviously he's fullback only, like I mentioned. So that's a, a slight negative on him. He's a good buy. Let's um, let's go into the strategy chat, though, because this week we're, we're talking halves. And we're talking halves because every, like a lot of Supercoach has to deal with what to do with Nathan Cleary. Uh, and particularly in the halves as well, what to do with Nathan Cleary and if Dylan Brown ends up getting suspended. Now, we're going to focus more on, on Cleary. There's a few different options that people can look at, but I think that it's all hinging on who's going to play State of Origin. If you trade Moses in this week, for instance, you know he could play State of Origin and then you don't have that buyer cover, and that's probably what teams are hoping for. Um, even... You know, people are going back to Nico Hines as an option as well because they obviously decided to punt him over origin period, but he's coming off 90 points. And obviously, you know, you don't want to be without Cleary and Hines potentially as a strategy that could really backfire. So maybe they're getting back Hines in. That's an option. Um, People are using Jules as well to get in someone like a Cody Walker, but he might be in origin as well. 
Uh, you're a Queenslander. Where do you see the New South Wales origin picks landing um, as far as the super coach options go and as far as who's going to be in the New South Wales team, do you think, if you're guessing? Uh, mate, to be honest, as a Queenslander, I don't really care because it's not going to make any difference. You boys are going to lose anyway. <laughs> well, ooh, I might be able to play this back in a week or two, and uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you, you guys could could go and uh, I don't know, drag JT out of retirement and, and put him in a blue shirt. Not that he'd wear one anyway, but um, you could put whoever else you like out there. Just give Freddie a run. Um, yeah, look, mate, it- Freddie would carve you. We'd win three 0 even though we're down one nil at the moment. He'd make it happen. Um, yeah, look, mate, it's um, it's an interesting one. I, I don't have Cleary. I sold him at the, at the beginning of, um, uh, well, I went him to Moses in Magic Ground and then uh, Moses went down for his 17 points and didn't play the week after. So that one really, really hurt. But uh, eventually he's been, slowly but surely he's been chipping away at it. And now that the Cleary's out for the next four to six weeks reportedly. So it's it's going to be interesting. Look, I... Um, I honestly don't know which way they're going to go. There's a bit of chat today about me, uh, about Moses coming out, but uh, I don't know. Like, let's be honest. The inform halfback at the comp for the comp at the moment is is probably Adam Reynolds, and despite the fact he's 135 years old, he's um, he's probably he's got the best kicking game in the comp, arguably at the moment, and that's in short and long range. I, I don't know. I I think you could go a lot worse than putting Adam Reynolds in there in halfback. And to be honest, they've got the runs on the board. You're probably better off putting uh, Cody Walker in there with him, especially if if Latrell is fit back again for um for Origin two. But but I don't think he is, is he? No, and Latrell's going to be racing the clock. But um, I actually I'm on the other side of the fence. But I mean, you know, it could be because you you're up in Queensland next to Suncorp. I don't think Adam Reynolds is the form the form bloke in the comp myself. Um, I think it's been Hines, and I think Hines won, won the Dallium last year. And I, I'm surprised that people don't don't think that the you know it's not necessarily it's going to happen, or it's what's going to get picked. But I'm surprised that people don't see the logical choices, the backup halfback that was already on the bench to back up Cleary in game one, and who was being argued as someone who should have been starting the halves to begin with. So I you know I I don't see any way that Hines isn't in. Um, if he isn't, it's fantastic for Supercoach. Um, but I also don't really get the Adam Reynolds chatted to a degree. You know, you're talking about a bloke who, as far as runs on the board goes, he wasn't successful when he did play. Um, and that's not a knock on him anyway. Like, I'm never someone that says, oh, you know, they only won one game and lost five, so they must be a terrible player. Like, it's a team effort and there's a lot of circumstances that go into it. But the fact of the matter was that Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker didn't win Origin Series together and stuff or anything like that. It's not this big winning thing. And Adam Reynolds hasn't played with Cody Walker for two years. So, I mean, I don't even see it how it's this whole big combination or anything else. It's... Not to completely rubbish or you're picked in. No, no, no. <laughs> you no, might end up getting picked in then. No, I just I just know that the way that the way that they seem to pick Origin teams is they obviously like to have as much normality for individual players as they possibly can. So if they if they've got to go a left field selection, um, I think they could go worse than Reynolds because he obviously has played with some of those players there before. I think also if they do bring in players like Kolo Matangi, I think just that South connection is probably. I don't know, going to help in some ways, but Cam Murray's still there, which who was obviously at uh, at the Bunnies when um, when Reynolds was there. But yeah, look, I, I don't disagree with you in regards to the the Nico Hines. If you're not going to play him at halfback, why pick him in the beginning? Like why pick him at all? And and continuity wise as well, he's obviously been in camp and he's trained in the halves and stuff. So 
they've already got him there and he's already sort of done some of that work and all that preparation and been there for game one. So I, I think Hines will be there. It's just probably a matter of whether they, I guess, whether they stick with Luai or not. And if they don't stick with Luai, it's not going to be because of how he played in game one. It's simply just going to be because of the com- combinations and stuff and not having that combination with Cleary, they might look elsewhere. I tend, look, if it was me picking, I'd, I'd pick Hines and Cody Walker. Cody Walker would be a big loss in Supercoach, uh, but it's obviously not me picking. And I don't think we really have any indication. Like, to me, they did say this week, just yesterday or maybe this morning, people were, were putting up this story that um, Brad Fittler was asked, you know, whether Mitch Moses was in the frame or whether he could be playing Origin. And Brad Fittler basically responded by, you know, paraphrasing, but it was pretty much... Oh, most definitely, you know, he's definitely in the frame. He's got a good chance of, of contending and maybe being in the seven jumper. He's going to say that about everybody. Like, to me, I read that as he's not going to say, oh, no, this bloke's got no chance or this bloke's got no chance. He's not picking the team today. So certainly, to me, he's going to say that about any single halfback that's in contention at the moment. And he's going to want to see how they play in the coming the coming games. And then he'll make his decision based on that. And he wants them all, you know, thinking that they can probably be picked so he can see what they're made of too, especially this weekend. So... Um, I don't think Moses is as close as other people, but the thing is, getting back to Supercoach Tim this week, with all these options, you either leave Nathan Cleary on your bench this week and, and sort of wait and sort of see maybe if he gets a better diagnosis or um, maybe other information comes to the to the forefront where you know which guy is going to get picked or you bite the bullet and pick someone and, and live with the fact that maybe they're going to get picked in state of origin. I kind of think that you need to do that, but do you think that there's any strategy where you can actually hold Nathan Cleary and just wait and see? Oh, if I had him, I, to be honest, I think you have to hold him. Um, at least hold for a week uh, because the last thing you want to do is do two trades. I, I haven't checked the beers myself because I'm not playing with halfback at the moment. I've got Nico Hines and Mitch Moses in there. But uh, I think if unless there's a halfback who's a top-shelf halfback, i.e. one of the top three or four, uh, in Supercoach at the moment, then I, I don't think you can afford to bloody play roulette by selling him this week and then guarantee whichever one you pick up will be the one that gets named next week or named in 14 or, or as 18th man or something ridiculous like that. So I'd, I'd be holding Cleary for this week at least until you've got some kind of an idea after the Origin squads get named. Yeah, you could definitely do that. I don't have him. If somebody had a good case to say, you know, team makeup comes into it where you got all these other guys that you need to sell anyway. Then maybe you don't need to sell Cleary. Maybe it's fine and you can hold him. Um, if you're struggling, though, and you don't have other outs and stuff, then you know it probably makes more sense to be trading Cleary at his value. I think that there is some other options, though. So when you have a look at it, like uh, as far as halfback goes, the best averaging halfback, Nico Hines. So if you're going to go off, who's the best halfback? Who's the best player to have? It, it is Nico. So let's start with him. Now, let's assume that he actually plays State of Origin. Is it worth just going Nico back in? Because, I mean, this weekend they play Melbourne away. Um, but having said that, you know, that's his old club. I'm sure he's going to try and get up for it. But Nico is also someone who just seems to score really well regardless. He's 855,000, though, but he's basically a straight swap from Cleary. So that is one of the main guys that's getting traded in at the moment, in the most traded in, and it is for Nathan Cleary. Look, to me, when you're having a look at it, you're looking at the draw and that's a big deal, right? He's going to play Melbourne away. It's not that easy, especially coming off what was, you know, a, a walloping that we didn't expect last week for the Melbourne Storm. Um, the Canary-Bankstown Bulldogs in round 16, he's going to miss and then he's got to buy. 
So the reality is you might be trading him in for one game in the next three. I'm not keen on selling Hines, but I have said in prior podcasts, if I was going to sell Hines, it would have been, you know, basically this week because you're going to miss two out of the next three games potentially, provided he does get picked. And I'm going to assume that he does. So that's a big deal. Um, I think that the problem though is Tim and what teams might be looking at as well is it coming out of that round 17 bye? For one, he, he may very well be left out of the origin team. And then you've got him against the Bulldogs in a bye round, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, but round 18 onwards, he goes the Dragons, the Tigers, the Warriors and Manly in a month span where, um, you know, certainly some of those teams like the Warriors deserve some respect, but and the Tigers are playing better and Manly's at home, but they're not top half a dozen sides in the NRL. And certainly for someone like Hines, it's a really good draw. So I think the teams are probably thinking if you don't get Nico uh, straight away, then you've got to make sure that you get him when you come out of those buy rounds and stuff for that that little run there. I think especially too, with the word that Cleary's out for four to six weeks, obviously six weeks from now gets you to the end of origin. So I, I can understand that in that if you, you're selling Cleary and you want Hines and you can hold Hines basically for the next six weeks and then for the run home. So, yeah, look, I certainly get it. Yeah, he's also an every week captaincy option or vice captaincy option basically as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't talk anyone out of it. Um, But certainly if you've got trades up your sleeve, um, I would probably lean towards looking at other options. Now, there is a guy who is the fourth best averaging halfback in the competition in Supercoach, and he's not even Australian. He's got absolutely no chance of playing state of origin. And before the season started, you would have said, Barnsley, you're mad. You're looking at stats from 2015. What are you doing? Sean Johnson is averaging almost 71 points a game this year. Now, that is a far cry from Nico Hines, 99. But, you know, Nathan Cleary is at 83.4. Sean Johnson is only a dozen points below him. And he's actually averaging more than Mitchell Moses, five points more than what Daly Cherry Evans is. Uh, he's been going phenomenal this year and it's capped off as well from a huge performance last weekend, Tim. You know, last weekend at under 10% ownership, pod territory at 9%, he's thrown up 127 points versus the Dolphins. That's not only his highest score this season, it's his highest score for multiple seasons. You'd say it was an outlier, but he scored 117 points versus the Sharks in round five. And he's also got two other scores in the 80s uh, in his Games so far, which have been 13, he's actually scored very well uh, and he's been super consistent. He does have some low scores in him, but, I mean, the 31 and 39, if you said the last couple of years, Sean Johnson's lowest scores in half a season are going to be 31 and 39, you'd take that every day of the week. Yeah. He's going really well. Now, does this keep going? Because he's got Canberra away, but Canberra could leak some points to him. He does have a bye then, so he's not going to play around 16. And then he's got the Dragons. So... Yeah, that Dragons matchup's pretty good, and he's still in pod territory. So do we believe in Sean Johnson? Is he really a viable option, especially if you don't necessarily need someone for round 16? And the reality is you don't need to focus on having someone for round 16 if you've got enough runners, and a lot of teams do. So there is an argument to say you can get any halfback you want and not worry about round 16 as well. Yeah, look, that's exactly right. You only need 13 players in the round, 13, 16, 19 buys. So... Yeah, yeah, it's a great point there, mate. That you can, uh, you don't necessarily need to have cover. But yeah, look, he's he's certainly turned back father time, hasn't he? He's um he's scoring as well as he ever ever has. Although he hasn't been knocking out the big tons that he maybe was five years ago in relation to obviously he did just knock one out last weekend. But I don't mean it's consecutive tons. 
but he's he's also not getting the fives and tens and things like that that he has uh, bashed out in the past as well. He seems to be relatively fit at the moment and playing as good a footy as he ever has. So the only downside is in years gone by, he has been half a back and five eight dual, and I've had him. Um, Oh God! For I've played so many years since since 2014, and he's been a fairly regular staple in my Super Coach squads. But yeah, look, that's the only negative I've got of him at the moment. He's not dual, but you can certainly do a lot worse than bringing Sean Johnson in to cover either Nico or uh, Nathan Cleary or Moses if he ends up getting named in a week's time. Yeah, he's definitely earned the right to be an option this year. And when you look at the draw, he doesn't play round 16, but he does play the round 19 buy, which is the final big buy round, and. The mini big buy, the mini buy round in seventeen, which has the Tigers, the Sharks, and the Bulldogs off that we mentioned at the start of the podcast. Sean Johnson's not only going to play it, but he's going to play it against the Dragons, which is a great matchup for him. So you know, it's, there's some good arguments for the draw because he is going to cover a major buy round and a mini major buy round for you. They're just not going to be round sixteen, but you're even going to be able to on sell him for potentially, hopefully, a bit of profit. Based on the draw, the other good thing is he's only got one more one more buy in round twenty two, and that's pretty far away. So you don't need to worry about that after round sixteen is out of the way. The big problem I've got for him is that you're never going to keep him long term, and the reality is that the best time for the Warriors is the close of the season, from round twenty three to round twenty seven. They play the Titans, the Tigers, Manly, and the Dragons and the Dolphins, and that's a really good run uh, of teams that you could say might not make the eight. Uh, and there's a good five-game average here for him to be had, I reckon. Um, but the problem is that's at the end of the season. You needed it to sort of be in this period. So definitely an option, Tim. Uh, I'm not going to take that route myself if I've got Cleary. Mitch Moses is actually the fifth best halfback in the competition on averages. You can really say the fourth best because Toby Sexton's played one game. He's just slightly behind. 0.6 points a game off what Sean Johnson has done. Uh, he's certainly my pick. I actually traded him in a week before you did, and I traded Cleary to him. So I'm thankful that that's actually come off now. But when you're having a look at Mitchell Moses, not only has it come off, like it's hard to say that that 17 points for me and you was unlucky because he did get to play 74 minutes still. Um, but it was just a, it was a bad game for and it can happen. He didn't even get to finish it. But all the other scores around that, you know, the, the week before he scored 147 points in round nine. You know, I was absolutely elated with that. 147 hits his bad 17. And then the last two weeks, including the buy round, 130 and 95. And he ended up being my captain for his 95 points in round 13. Three out of his last four games, he's been on an absolute tear. And he's actually still got a three-round average of 81 and a five-round average of 86 that both have a 17-point score in there. Yeah. So, look, he's killing it. There's no two ways about it. And he's now got the Bulldogs this week and Manly in a buy round that are going to be short a couple of players for origin at least. So his draw immediately is very, very good. Uh, if he doesn't get picked for origin, he is going to play that round 17 mini big buy round as well. And that's going to be against the Dolphins. He does have the round 18 buy, but covers the next major buy. So he is a guy that covers both major buy rounds and the mini um, big buy round as well in round 17. And the draw that he's got is phenomenal for his next half a dozen games. So he's my pick for sure. 760000 You're going to bank almost 100K out of that swap from Cleary to him. You've obviously just got that risk of him potentially being picked in origin. But he could turn up this week as well, Tim, against the Bulldogs. Yeah, and the best part too, mate, is he's got a low BE of 14 for this round. 
And then after his 17 drops out, he's obviously got his uh, his ton and his, his bloody close enough, whatever his uh, next score was. Sorry, he's 95. So, look, after his 17 drops out, he's got two more big scores. So he's going to have a negative beating next week most likely, and it's going to be a fairly hefty one. So, look, he could end up being 850, 900K in the next two weeks. And, um yeah, and shoot, you'd, you'd be laughing all the way to the bank, and, and it's obviously at the end of Origin an easy trade back to Cleary if you want to, or Nico Hines for that matter. Yeah, exactly right. And I'd probably say the only negative that I can see for him, aside from maybe getting picked in Origin, is the fact that he's 10% owned at the moment, which me and you are both really enjoying, but that's going to at least double. He's looking at 20% minimum ownership once this round clicks over to his game against the Bulldogs on Sunday. So maybe even 25% ownership. And unfortunately, that's going to dent a lot of his value. Uh, There is a couple of other guys that you can kind of talk about as well. One of them is another complete pod too. Um, I happen to have him just because I started with him. And he's he's been a really big pod, but then he's gotten traction the last month where slowly, slowly teams have started putting him into their sides as a bit of a pod runner. Now he's up to 13% ownership. That's Matt Burton. Uh, He was bad at the start of the year, Tim. I just went, look, it's not worth a trade out. I've got other stuff to deal with. I don't really mind if he's my 17th player type of thing. Uh, but the reality is he's actually almost mirrored last season's form where he was slow to start. Uh, now he's made 83K on his starting price. He's a dual halfback 5'8", which is going to be really handy because he's the only option out of all ones that we're talking about that you don't have to on sell. You could actually move him to 5'8 for a while if you wanted to as a backup 5'8. And who knows how long Dylan Brown's going to be out for as well. So that might end up working. Flexibility in teams' favours as well. But the the numbers for Burton, they're not as good as the other guys. He's averaging 60 for the season. That's three points better than last year. But I think that the big story with him is, like I said, he started terrible. His two worst scores of the year, round one and two, were 18 to 30 points. Since then, he's only got two scores below 50. Um, and he's gone... 60-plus, 65% of the time. Can I just say that Nathan Cleary and Sean Johnson both go 60-plus, 69% of the time. So if Burton's doing it only 4% less, leaving his first two games out, that's good consistency. He's got a five-round average of 71, a three-round average of 79, and he's not got any tons yet, but what I have liked about him is most weeks he's scoring in the 70s. Uh, He's not a guy that gets 80s. He's not a guy that gets 90s. That doesn't happen often, one in every 10 games, but he consistently gets 70s over and over again. Now, he's going to play Parramatta at home this week, which is a bit tough, but he then has the Sharks in the major buy round, and that's going to be handy. But the Bulldogs also play the second major buy round. So, you know, the Sharks and South Sydney Rabbitohs look like tough matchups for them, but they're going to be without their origin players in both those big buy rounds. So do you think for a cut price deal, you know, 100, 100K less almost than what a, a Moses is, a Matt Burton with the dual eligibility is even an option to consider? Yeah, look, I, I absolutely love it. The only thing I will say, Barnsley, is that I'm, uh, I'm really concerned that, or in your case, I'd be really concerned that he actually gets that left-hand centre spot for New South Wales. The way that he played last year in origin, giving them that extra kicking option uh, was just massive for them. I think the fact that Cleary's out now, I think they really need more kicking options in that back line. I mean, if they if that was something that they were missing from game one, they're definitely going to be missing it for game two, and at which point they are absolutely bonkers if they don't put him in at that left centre spot. 
Um, I mean, I'm a Queenslander, so I hope you just give it to an under 11 who can't kick real fast. <laughs> Look, I, I thought he was going to be 14, actually. I thought he might have been a utility for New South Wales, but that, that didn't end up obviously happening because Hines ended up not starting. And, and then again, you look at it like if, if, if Hines picks up the halfback spot, as we both seem to think is more than likely, um, then it wouldn't surprise me if, if Burton then slots into 14. He can cover a few other positions as well, I'm sure. Mm. But look, I think as far as his kicking option goes, mate, I would definitely not be putting my house on him playing um, playing for the Dogs in round 16. Yeah, it's a, it's, a really, it's a real tough one because I don't think many people would consider him an in, but... Uh, it could happen, but the, I think the the worst part about him and the thing that I'll finish on with him is that he was the 18th man in game one, and the 18th man doesn't get to play. So the makeup of their team might you know change that around. I guess you know if they've got Hines on the bench and two different halves, maybe they'll go with someone different than Matt Burton as the 18th man. It's hard to say, but but that's a big risk, isn't it? Slightly left field, but is there a world where they go Nico and Burton in the halves? That's actually my second favourite halves combination, personally. Like my, my favourite would be Nico and Cody Walker. I, I think that's it for me, because I think that's got so much attack. And you're right with the kicking. Like, I don't think... You know, Luai is just not a kicker, and that hurt Cleary as it was. Having rookie halves going in, or, or a fresh half going in with a rookie half in, in Hines, you need all that kicking. So that's why I think that Luai might actually lose his job. Cody Walker and, and Hines are my favourites. But my second favourite pairing is Burton and Hines, and it's because of Burton's boot. I, I just think they offer more. Um, maybe not the, the same sort of trick plays that Cody Walker can, but, uh, I mean, do you necessarily need that at Origin? If everyone's doing their job, then you generally win an Origin game. Um, it depends on who wants it more. And let's be honest, if two guys are on the outer and they need to prove themselves, there's there's worse things that you could do than pick Nico Hines and Matt Burton because I guarantee you they'll be up for it and they'll absolutely do a job. Yeah, I really like the call because, I mean, Burton's played in an Oregon series now and he was actually good last year when he got to play. He, he, was, he was the only thing that we were shit scared of. Like, it, um, and especially with, I, I know there was a lot of pressure put on Reese Walsh for game one and the, the bloke came up trumps well and truly. But I wonder, Nathan Cleary's kicking game wasn't sensational throughout that game, but I'm not suggesting that you take Cleary out and put Burton in in that same game and New South Wales wins. But I think some of those long-range kicks that Burton can put up uh, might have just been that little extra something that made Reese Walsh second-guess himself a little bit more than, uh, than what Nathan Cleary's game kicking game did in game one. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, but, you know, it's, I don't think that Freddie will agree, but I do think it's an option that's there. I mean, personally, I, I like Burton in the halves because the other thing too is that I think that he'll play his role really well. Like, I think that he's one of those guys who... He leads the dogs as the alpha playmaker, but... He's been in the position at Penrith where he's had to take a back seat and he's already taken a back seat at origin level before having to play in the centres. So I think you want Hines leading the side as the alpha, but Burton can step up or can play off that as much as you need him to. And I think that's his natural game to do that and adjust. So I like it. Um, Whether Freddie does, I don't know, but that's obviously the risk. You know, Burton isn't as good a scoring option. He doesn't have as high a ceiling as the other guys. So in a vacuum, you take the other guys. Uh, but if the other guys are, are picked, then Burton becomes an option, but we just don't know that yet. And maybe even Burton gets in. A, a complete, utter, big balls pod is a guy the last few years I've actually really liked over the buy rounds and I've owned quite a bit, and that's Jerome Hughes. And I'm going to throw him out there just on, you know, what he's done in the past, the artist formerly known as. Not currently doing it at the moment, though. <laughs> 
everything he's doing this year has not been good, averaging 55 points a game. He has actually only gone 60 plus 40% of the time. That is the worst consistency he's had since the 2019 season. 55 points is worse than his 2019 season. It's actually, you know, the worst since he's been at the Melbourne Storm. 73 and 69 points he averaged the last two years, and he's been super relevant over this period, Tim. He's only 550,000, so he's a cut price fallen gun that's been able to get it done before. But even on the weekend, you know, they obviously played badly, but he only scored 43 points. When they've done better, you know, against the Dolphins in round 12, it's still only 63 points. He's only scored two tries all year and no tries since round three. He's not getting a lot of try assists. And unfortunately, at the moment, uh, a lot of it's going through, if it's not Munster, a lot of it's going through Nick Meany at the fullback spot. So, you know, that's it makes it really hard. But he's one of those guys, Tim, that has the runs on the board and has been good before. He's a full 14 points below what his value was at the start of the season. Do you think we see a resurgence? Because he's got the Sharks this week at home. And in fact, three of the next four games are at home. 16, big buy round playing away against the Tigers. Um, not going to have Munster, not going to have Grant, so you assume he's going to have extra responsibility in that one. Uh, 17 plays Manly at home, and then 18 plays Penrith at home without, obviously, Cleary at the moment. So, decent enough draw. Round 16 coverage, no chance of origin. Cut price. Can he actually completely flip the season that he's had so far and get back to what he's been doing, though? I believe he can, mate. He's um he's someone that I had for much of last season and was really happy with him uh, until the the very latter part. But yeah, look, he's he's somebody who can just absolutely turn it on. The short ball that he can put through to Ellie Katoa is um is something that just you stand back and you applaud. There, I think probably the difference of Munster being being back has obviously made a bit of a difference to his game. But also, like you said, Nick Meany. Nick Meany certainly controlling the ball a lot more often out the backfield. But also the fact that Eli Katoa has been in and out a little bit and not picking up the 80 minutes week in, week out since the start of the season. Um, He obviously played really, really well for those first three or four rounds and then went missing a little bit after that. So, look, I think if he can bring back together that gameplay and the short ball through to Ellie, then um, then that's going to make a big difference to uh, to Jerome Hughes' scores, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I really don't know what to make of it. I'm too scared of it because of how bad he's gone this year. Um, but, you know, it, it, it may turn around. I'm just, I wouldn't be willing on banking on it. I'd probably go for uh, a Mitch Moses myself. But I think that that's half a dozen options, Tim, for people to consider for various reasons, whether it's uh, dual flexibility, guys that definitely won't play Origin or just the guys that are going to either make money or be the best point scorers. I think you've got a lot of different guys there. So certainly, you know, pretty team dependent, but also people just need to really go with their gut and sort of see um, what they think is going to play out and try and, you know, try and guess what the Origin team is going to be and try and guess how the next few weeks is going to pan out, which as we've seen is pretty tough. But if you can guess it, this is a real chance here with this move. It could be season-defining who you trade Nathan Cleary to out of these half-dozen options. Oh, absolutely, mate. If you can nail, nail it for, uh, for the next six weeks, you're, uh, you're in a pretty good spot. You do get to the point after about round 20, 22, that it's actually harder to fall out of the top 1,000 than it is to actually get into the top 1,000. Uh, I've been there three times before, and you make some decisions and you have a bad, bad round and you think, shit, I'm going to drop thousands of spots here. And uh, you end up losing like 100 or 150 places. So, look, you do get to a point where um, 
where it is harder to fall out than, than get in there. But uh, if you can make this the right play over the next six weeks, and especially in the halves, because it's going to be an absolute shambles after this round, then uh, then you, you're probably doing pretty well. Another general strategy outside of halfbacks that we should mention to people. I would urge everybody to have a look at Jules. Um, for example, I if I did have Cleary instead of Nico Hines right now, I would be able to trade for basically anyone bar a hooker in my whole team through Jules. Um, someone like Schuster is very popular. He can be moved to 5'8". I've got Matt Burton at 5'8 as my backup. He can be moved to halfback. People still have Katoa in the halves. He can be moved to halfback as well. Uh, center wing-wise, you've got Joey Manu. You know, if you've got someone from 5'8 that you can move down, you can put Manu into 5'8 and then you're picking a center wing or even a fullback with your Jules. I would really urge everybody, because it's a huge strategy, not to get caught up in having to get a halfback. If you've got those jewels to make it work to consider other positions, make sure you're benchmarking, Tim, against all the positions, not just halfback, because you can always get another halfback in later or even just leave a guy like Joey Manu at 5'8", and then when Cleary returns or when Origin's over, then move him out and get that type of guy back in. So uh, I think that that's a really uh, important point for some teams that have that dual flexibility that maybe isn't being focused on enough by a few that, that should be considered. Absolutely, mate. And and just a, a heads up for viewers as well, if you're trying to pick between player A and player B at this time of the season and right throughout the buy rounds, absolutely. If you can't split them, I'd be going for the guy that's got dual position every day of the week. Um, just that having that ability over the next five or six weeks to move uh, them back and forwards around players, it, it just makes a massive big difference, especially if injuries come. But not only that, if you've got, like I've for the, the last three or four weeks, well, sorry, the last month or so, I've had um, uh, Connolly Lemuelu and uh, Jack Bird as centre wing, second row forward duels, and being able to flick the two of them back and forwards. And it's actually been really, really helpful this round in particular, I've gone from Asako front in um, fullback, moving him up into centre wing. I've then uh, dropped Izzy uh, Katoa from the Dolphins, dropped him out of 5'8", and moved Joey Manu up. Um, so I think my two trades this week, I've basically moved four moving parts in my squad to bring in two players that have made things much better. Um, they're certainly going to be cash generators this week as well as uh, points generators. Yeah, it, it's super, super handy. Like if I had Nico Hines uh, out and Cleary in his spot right now, I could sell Cleary and Dylan Brown and not buy a half or five eight and just have them covered with jewels and then just buy in every other position. So yeah, it can be yeah. really handy. Let's uh, look at market watch for around 15. Now, some of it we've obviously covered with the strategy talk because we've talked about the halfback and that's a lot of what's coming in. The trade of the out players for round 15. Nathan Cleary makes sense. We've already spoken about that. Cam Murray, he, his star has fallen significantly. That makes sense now that we've got Origin coming up and with him ruled out this week. Uh, but David Fafita is number three, and we mentioned him at the start of the podcast. He's worth talking about. I already mentioned that I held him because I wanted to play against the West Tigers. Now he's going to miss this week. And we've obviously got Origin as well. There's even some talk that maybe he's in doubt for the Origin game because he's had delayed concussion symptoms. Look, when you have a look at David Fafita's season, it's been his most consistent. Um, he did score two points better in that 2021 season, but that's always a little asterisk outlier season. 83 points a game, though. He's base of 47 and he's base attack of 21. That's his best base base attack that he's ever had. Phenomenal season. Rattled off 400-point scores in a row 
before going 16 points in 33 minutes on the weekend. Now facing the prospect of out this week and then the buy in round 16. Tim, I said to a few people today, an almost 900,000, 149 BE, it is an easy sell when he misses the next two weeks. But I think that there are some teams that could consider holding him that I would not talk out of doing it. Uh, I don't think that it's a cut and dried thing. In round 17, he plays the Broncos. Now, yes, it's after origin, but it is a Sunday game. uh, And they don't have the tight turnaround with Canberra the following week either. So I tend to think that maybe if he's all good, comes through unscathed, it's a pretty good turnaround from Wednesday to Sunday afternoon. Maybe he'll get the minutes. It's a massive pod play. If he does get the minutes against the Broncos, it's obviously his old club. The Broncos themselves could have players out. He's got a max score of 105 against him, and he's averaging 80 points a game, which is one of his top five averages against any club in the competition. You know, he, he likes playing against the Broncos again, and I think that he's going to have a pretty big one if he's playing 80 minutes in that one. So it is one of those things where I think that if you do hold some of these guys that you want to keep to the end and not sell them during origin, you can be rewarded by having a huge pod play. And Fafita is going to shape up as that in a few weeks if he's playing. Obviously, the downside, Tim, is if he doesn't play or there's, you know, 30 minutes again, then you get really burnt because you've got him on the pine there and throughout origin, it's just going to be a massive pain and you're going to lose a heap more cash. So you mentioned that you're going to um, definitely sell him, though. Can you see any merit in actually holding him and not selling? Oh, look, if you're short of trades, mate, then I can totally understand. Me, personally, I've got 21 trades left. Um, I've got no boost because I use them fairly early. But I've got 21 trades left. So in my opinion, the way that my squad's set up, I can certainly bank on saving a few more trades. Um, I saved one last weekend and um, – oh, sorry, not last weekend, the weekend before. And I really don't need to trade next weekend at all as I've already got 16 players for round 16. So, look, uh, if you've got trades, uh, then I'd, I'd be absolutely be selling it. The fact that his 17 is going to sit in his rolling average for three weeks, um, so even if he – even if he comes back and knocks out 60s and 70s, he's going to keep losing cash, at which point you can turn someone like a, I don't know, like a 600K player, um, if he picked up the right one, a 550, 600K player for the next three or four weeks and then hopefully turn him into David Fafita in, in a month or in six weeks' time at the end of the Origin Series. So, look, I, for me personally, mate, it's a, it's a bit of a no-brainer. But for people who are tight on trades, I could absolutely justify holding on to him because it's going to be hard as hell to bring him back. You're going to need him. If you, if you can't get him back in, you're going to really hurt. Um, the, you know, it's just he's been way too good, hasn't he? There's not even a second row forward that's anywhere near him. But not only that, he's been he's been a captaincy option or a VC option every week. Yeah. Like every week you can sort of, apart from last round, obviously, but every week you can just about bet your house on he's going to go sort of 80 or thereabouts. So at which point he's, he's fairly safe, even for a ship captaincy score. So, look, yeah, there's certainly a well where you could hold him, but if you've got trades in hand, then absolutely I'll be dumping and running. But before last week, he only had one score in 11 games that was below 69 points all oh. season. Like, it is absolutely unbelievable how well he's gone this year. So I, I will say that I think that there's going to be some teams, well, actually quite a few teams, that have Nathan Cleary, Dylan Brown, Dave Fafita, and other guys that are out, whether that's uh, Jack DeBellin or, you know, some of these type of guys. 
And if that's the case, like I would say that those teams are primed to be for feeder holders and to be able to consider that because like say, I'm jumping the gun on Dylan Brown, like maybe he's fine and maybe he'll get to play. And if he does, then it's out of the equation, but say tomorrow he's caught hearing, he pleads guilty, the charges stick and there's going to, and the NRL comes down and says, we're, we're going to suspend you for six weeks or something. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you're better off selling Dylan Brown and he's worth a lot of money. Uh, Nathan Cleary is potentially out six weeks. And, you know, some like JDB, you know, he's out and you're better off selling him. There's some of these guys. If you're a team set up that way, Tim, you know, and it's a bit of, it's almost becoming a little bit of a disclaimer all the time. Oh, yeah, team specific. But it's really the case, you know, it's teams at this point of the season are so different team to team, which is great. We have a lot of separation between teams. But what it means is the advice for one team is going to be totally different to the other. And somebody that's got five guys that they need to trade out that are all high value, that's when I'd definitely be holding David for feeder. Yeah, absolutely, mate. You're throwing guys like Jack Bird as well, who's uh, who was fairly highly traded Another one, the last yep. three or four weeks. Um, due to his dual flexibility, but he was just on a bit of a tear too. If you can play him down at your centre wing and, and bank on 60-plus points a week. So he was really handy for, for my squad, but I know a lot of other guys brought him in as well. So, yeah, look, and especially when you look at guys like um, Zach Hosking, who's been on the fall, on the fall. Jackson Ford's another one. Um, look, yeah, I, it, like I said before, if you're low on trades, I would absolutely be holding David Fafita. Dylan Brown, the fourth most traded out player at the moment. I, I think people are jumping the gun to sort of see what's going to happen and just assuming he's going to be out. Obviously, we're going to know in the next in the coming days, so we can't really comment until, you know, we know whether he's actually going to be suspended or not. Tom Gilbert's out for the season, so, yeah, got to get rid of him. Zach Hosking, um, he's the sixth most traded out player. He's going to break in at 62. He's still in 17% of teams. He is someone who's going to play around 16. Um, he's going to miss around 19 by, but he's also going to play the mini big by round of around 17. And 16 and 17, that's going to be Penrith versus the North Queensland Cowboys and the Newcastle Knights. That's pretty good matchups and pretty good cover that I think that you'll need because you're going to need some of these guys who aren't a Tiger, who aren't a Bulldog, who aren't a Shark that are going to back up in round 17 and cover you around 16. Otherwise, it's just going to be all off kilter between those two weeks. So I, I think that I would reassess if I'm selling him, not because he's been going phenomenal, um, but simply because... He doesn't have a huge break even, Tim, um, and he's got that really good coverage coming up. So certainly for teams that don't have the numbers for 16 or, or in a bit of trouble for 17, he's someone that I think some teams could reassess and potentially hold until after that mini big buy round around 17. Yeah, look, uh, just having a look at his scores right now because I've actually got um, I've got Zach Hosking in my team. He's only had – he's had a score of 61. He's had a score of 62. And then he's only had three other scores below, uh, no, sorry, four other. He, he's had a, a 55 as well. But he's, So out of his um, 10 scores, he's had five below 62, but they're all only, only just uh, with the exception of a 28 in round 11. He's a player that I've been looking to cut, uh, but I've always had bigger pressing issues. And the fact that he's going to play the 16 and 17, surely – the Panthers can't keep playing all of their origin players, especially after what's happened with um, with Nathan Cleary. You can't tell me that that's got nothing to do with muscle fatigue or the fact that he's tried to do too much in such a short period of time. So obviously going into origin camp, yeah, I know they have their, their promo days and their signing days and things like that, but I've got no doubt that when they are in camp, 
they are absolutely ripping and tearing to try and work out who their best squads are, especially when they name larger squads. So, yeah, look, I'm, I'm keeping Zach Hosking, um, certainly for the next three or four weeks at least. If you're, if you're a team that's stacked up in 16 and 17, then there's not really any point to keep him, so it's fine. But I will just say, even with those teams, you know, you've seen the carnage the last few weeks. You know, the amount of outs that you don't expect that can happen, you know, it's, yeah, it's, you're probably just better off just biting the bullet. And if you end up paying 25K to hold him, you've got that reassurance or, or that guy that can come in and play those rounds. You, you look at individual players, like the fact that Isaiah Yo backed up last weekend and, and played big minutes, I think if you take him out for a round or you say, right, Isaiah Yo is only going to play 40 minutes for uh, for round 17 or, um, yeah, sorry, round 17, then a player like Zach Hoskins goes from his 50 minutes, which he played last week or thereabouts, to he becomes an 80-minute an forward. So at which point the difference over those extra 30 minutes that he can make between a, a 50 score and a 70 score is um, there's a really good chance that that's going to happen. So I think the fact that so many of the Panthers players backed up for the last round, um, I think because the competition is so tight, whereas I think if they, now that they've seen what's happened to Nathan Cleary, I think there's probably going to be a bit of a gentle, gentle approach from the Panthers for the rest of the Origin campaign. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. Uh, and it's it's actually a similar discussion with one of the other selves. Uh, look, I got let down a bit by Billy Smith on the weekend, played him for 37 points. He only gave me 24 points in round 12 versus Dragons. So I get why people are off him, only averaging, you know, barely 30-plus points the last two rounds. But the two weeks before that, he went 80 and 71, and he did that without scoring a try in four games so far. He's got Penrith this week. It is at home at Allianz, but it's a tough game. I understand why people are selling him. He's, he's only just almost made $100,000. He got a 60 BE. But, Tim, it's almost a similar discussion with this one, isn't it? Like, if you've got other people that you can trade out to get what you want, you'd almost hold Billy Smith for the 16 and 17 cover. Round 16, he's got the Newcastle Knights, which is a decent game, although it is away, and they're not going to be too origin-affected. So, you know, the, the Roosters could lose that one, but they will have potential to score some points. The Raiders at home at Allianz Stadium, Stadium in round 17 um, is a much better looking game. And, and that that's a couple of weeks there uh, that Billy Smith might actually give you really good cover and he could jag a try. You know, it would be unlikely with someone like him that he goes through six games without a try um, or seven games at that point without a try. You know, so I would back him to score in one of the next few games. When that happens, he'll either get back to his price point that he is now, but give you the cover in round 16 or 17, or he'll actually be making money at that point. And he does have Manly in round 18 that isn't that bad uh, before he has a round 19 buy. So, you know, if I had a perfect team, Tim, and I had huge cover in 16 and 17, I was already almost going to rage him out this week, but, you know, I am going to leave him. But if I was all perfect, then sure, you could just get rid of him, but... I just don't think many teams are. And I just think that he's an easy hold for 16 and 17 to give you a bit of cover there and potentially not leak heaps of cash anyway. Yeah, look, I totally agree. I, I'm one of the lucky ones who's, um, well, lucky, I guess you'd say. I've um, I've had Taruva and Will Warwick basically from the start. And when people were jumping off about four or five, six weeks ago, I actually held both those players and they've actually uh, made a fair bit more cash since and certainly improved their averages over the last few rounds. I think Billy Smith's another player who can do something similar. You could sell him now, but who are you going to sell him to? He's the kind of player that you're only going to sell him to like a basement price center wing 
or you're going to sell him to someone who's what, like a Mulatalo or, or somebody like that, and you're going to add three or 400K to. So, look, I, I don't really see the point in selling these guys that are around about 400, 450, um, as you're just not really getting any benefits from unless you're selling them back to a basement price. Otherwise, you've got to do sort of two 400K guys to – uh, to a, a gun or a semi gun, and then uh, and hope someone cheap comes in. So there's there's not a lot of point to it. Um, I think Billy Burns is an outside back in a, a high scoring super coach team. At which point you you just you just grip your teeth and hold him. Yeah, and the thing that I think is really really reassuring that I'll um, finish on Billy with, and then we're going to go into the trade ins. His raw base has been 45, 42, 36, and 33. He's averaging almost 40 points a game just in raw base. No base attack, raw yep. base. That is exactly what you want to see, especially at his price point. If you add in his base, base attack, you know, it's up to 56 as his floor. He's just not getting any attacking stats, which is unfortunately the story with the Roosters. But 56 is a good floor. He's obviously been well below it the last couple of weeks, but on averages, you know, he's actually got a pretty good floor. And even the last two weeks when he's been off, 36 and 33, raw base, that's nothing to sneeze at for an outside back at his price point. So, yeah, I, I think that he's definitely a, a, an easier hold for the buy rounds than what he is a sell now. Traded in. Uh, Mitch Moses is number one. Sean Johnson is number two. Both those guys are going to be 20-plus percent owned, Tim. Uh, we've already talked about them, but are you surprised that they're coming in at such a rapid rate? Like, did you think it was going to be a bit more spread out with the purchasing? No, look, I, I, I've got no doubt. So I think Cody Water, Walker will be up there somewhere as well. It's, when you look at uh, trading out key players like Nico Hines, um, Nathan Cleary, and then possibly Dylan Brown as well, you, you sort of start running out of options and... Look, people aren't stupid that have played this game. Well, if they've, if they've played half the season, chances are they're still uh, switched on and going to play through to the end. So you, you start to run out of options. Sean Johnson, Cody Walker, um, obviously flicking Cleary to Nico is is a no-brainer. Um, but, yeah, look, the, the, the same top guys are just going to be the same top guys year in, year out. So the next couple of guys are two back rowers, and it's pretty good that they're next to each other because they're good to benchmark against each other as buyers this week. Keon Kalamatangi is currently in 2% of teams. So he is an ultra pod uh, and he's getting traded in by 5.2% of coaches. John Bateman, he's another ultra pod. He's in 3% of teams and been traded in by 5.6%. At the moment, both are going to be sub 10%. Both are still going to be pods. They're within 30K of each other. John Bateman, 642K. Keon Kalamatangi, 612. Both of them are going to end up with decent BEs that you can make some money out of. So now's an opportune time to get them. Both of them have got great matchups this week, Tim. South versus St. George, West Tigers versus the Gold Coast. Nice edges for each of them to be running at. Uh, I think probably the thing that does separate them is that Kalamatangi is an outside chance that he's starting to firm of playing New South Wales State of Origin. Uh, John Bateman obviously is no chance. Uh, one of the good things about Keon Kalamatangi for me and why I bought him last week is he's been super consistent. He's averaged 70 points for the season. He's gone 60 plus 67% of the time. He's now got two tons there. He scored three tries in his nine games. So one in three games he scores. And two out of those three games he scored a try, he's got 100 plus. Uh, Bateman, on the other hand, has had a really disjointed season. I didn't think that he looked very good until the last few weeks. Uh, he's averaged 65 a game. But the bigger deal with him is that the first three weeks were a little bit up and down on his minutes. Uh, he played 67, 80, and then 58 minutes. 
If you do just look at his 80-minute games, though, he has been a lot better. It has to be said he scored tries the last two weeks, so it's him, 102 and 88 points. I was actually chatting to one of the listeners last week who who asked me some questions on who they should trade, and I said, I like Bateman and I like Colin Matungi. I'm no doubt that Bateman will go well against Canberra this week. Uh, I think he'll have a big score. I think I like Colin Matungi more overall, though, and, and that's probably what I'm going to sit at with the disclaimer that if Colin Matungi plays Origin, then it makes it a lot harder. Yeah, look, I've I've picked up Kolaramatangi this week. I am concerned that he plays Origin. And if he plays Origin, then there's a chance where he probably plays one out of the next three weeks or certainly limited minutes in round 17. It's something that I'm stewing over at the moment. As much as I love Kolaramatangi as a player, and I think uh, he's just an attacking weapon for Souths. He, he takes those short balls a bit, like I was saying earlier with Eli Katoa. He takes those short balls from the halves and uh, and just strolls over the, the the try line. So I've brought him in this week at this stage, but I may reverse and go for a cheaper option in someone like Olakuatu. Yeah, I, I just can't get around Olakuatu just because of the form that we've seen him in lately. Uh, I will just say with John Bateman, he's averaged 73.5 points a game if you just look at his 80-minute games. Uh, so that is... Quite impressive. Um, I do think as well that he's got a really good matchup this week versus the Titans. So, you know, to me, I, I do think that um, you pay up for a Kalamatangi or a Bateman. I do think that Kalamatangi is a good chance at maybe being a bolter for Origin. So if that's an issue for you, I think you pick Bateman. If it's not an issue for you and you're looking at a season keeper, I just think that I'm more comfortable out of the two of having Kieran Kalamatangi for the duration of the year than, um, than Bateman. Just, just out of interest, where do you place IPAP in that list? Um, I know I, I, we've been talking about it in our off-the-bench um, um, Facebook chat group, the five of us that, that run the show, um, and, and having a bit of a chat about it. And Guy's really big on IPAP and has been for the last couple of weeks. I don't disagree. Obviously, he's got pedigree, and uh, the way that he's played over the last few years has been sensational, last year especially. Now that he's at the Tigers, he's sort of dropped a little bit. And now that um, now that the Bateman's there, maybe Bateman's on one side and and he's on the other. But I don't know. Can you can you have both uh, Tigers second rowers or second row lock depending on who's playing what this week? No, I don't think you can. Uh, I think you got to choose one or the other, and I think that it's got to be Bateman. It's I actually looked at IPAP about a month ago and was considering targeting him, uh, but then he's just. His scores just have been nowhere near good enough. And it's just a point now where you have to just say he's not going to get the attack. Like they're almost purposely missing him out. And he doesn't really create himself very much, whereas someone like Bateman with his style does. That's the only reason that Bateman can get a bit of clutch attack. So I think the Pat, you just have to let him go through to the keeper. I don't even think it's value at this point because he just hasn't shown any point this year that he can be a bigger scorer. Uh, one of the good things about the Tigers for both Bateman and IPAP is that they've only got one more buy. So round 17 is their only buy that they've got for the rest of the year. And their final third draw is pretty solid. You know, it's not too bad. So certainly getting someone like Bateman in, you are at least reassured that you can hold them until the end. They're only going to miss one week between now and round 27. Uh, And that one round is round 17, a mini buy round where you've only got three teams off. So Certainly draw-wise, um, I think the Tigers are good, but I think that you can't go both, and I think the pick's definitely Bateman. And like we said earlier, mate, the the round, uh, sorry, it was around 17 that's got the Tigers, Sharks, mm. Dogs, by 
really got to keep an eye on that. Yeah, you definitely have to. I think John Bateman's probably going to be my only tiger. Um, and I'd suggest to people that, you know, if you've got Buller, him and Bateman should probably be your only tigers. If you're going through the numbers and stuff, you probably won't be able to afford it. We are going to do a special uh, buy uh, podcast next week. That'll go through all the different options per position. Um, we just couldn't fit it in this week. Let's move along. Nico Hines, we've discussed already. Cody Walker is number six most traded in. Really wanted Cody last week. I was kind of relieved that he only scored 100 because obviously I got Keon Cullum and Tungy instead and they ended up evening each other out, which was good. If Dylan Brown's out, Cody Walker's stocks are going to rise even more. He has been steadily going up. He's 25% of teams now. And normally one of the good points about Cody Walker is even when he's going well, people stay off him. It's not been the case. People have been jumping on and really cottoned on the last month, especially. Uh, he's really expensive, Tim, 813000 But obviously with the Cleary money for Cleary owners, it's a pretty easy trade to make. He has gone 168 and 110 in his last three games. He's actually got four tons for the year. And he just doesn't look like he's going to slow up. And South's draw gets easier now, not harder. So he looks fantastic. He's not going to play 16, but he is going to play both rounds uh, 19 and also the mini buy in round 17. So he is going to give you cover. He has got the best immediate draw out of just about anyone I think South's have over the next four or five weeks. The problem is that does he get picked for origin? And unfortunately that's something that you're going to have to guess about. If he doesn't get picked for origin, I think he's a great buy. If he does, that that's going to really hurt the purchase. Yeah, look, I, we've already talked about it. It's uh, I've got Dylan Brown at the moment. If Dylan Brown's uh, out for an extended period of time, then I've probably got to think long and hard about it. And Cody's probably the man to bring in, but look, I'd be shit scared. He's going to play origin. Um, I think it's more likely, I don't know, just my opinion, I think it's more likely than not that Luai gets dropped. But if they're trying to decrease the amount of parts, moving parts that they're moving on, maybe Freddie keeps him. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I certainly wouldn't be putting my house on anyone in 5 eights at the moment, not for another week. Let me tell you a score that's going to make you think about buying him. St. George of the Dragons, 151 points he scored against him before. <laughs> I'm all over him. If uh, if I knew he wasn't going to play Origin uh, and Dylan Brown's out for any more than two weeks, then I would absolutely be selling Dylan Brown to Cody Walker. It's it really is a wait and see on that one. And it, and let's be honest, it probably could define your season if you're like me and you've had Izzy Katoa in there. Admittedly, if you've got the jewels to move either Joey Manu up or Josh Schuster down into five eight, that's pretty handy. But if if you're still stuck with um, Dylan Brown and, and Izzy Katoa, then you've probably... Yeah, it's I, I I love Cody Walker just this week as a play, so I think that makes it a bit easier. Um, because it, I think with some of these guys, um, and I was chatting to Luke Garrity about this, who I hopefully get back in on podcasts in the next couple of weeks, that I think the worst case with some of these guys is if they get picked for origin, but they've got a good game this week, you're going to at least potentially bank a ton out of them. Um, and, and you've got enough trades and stuff where there's enough pl- relevant players playing in round 16 where you're probably going to be able to cover it. So, you know, he plays the Dragons this week. I would be I would be betting uh, over, under, on scoring 100. I'd be betting 100 plus. I'd be betting the over. And if you get 100 score out of him this week and then he's got the buy in origin, you'd probably take that, wouldn't you? Like, that's the other thing. And even when he comes back, you know, if he doesn't play origin, you get the score this week that you're going to get 
and then you get Cowboys, Warriors, and Bulldogs, and half of those games are at home as well. You know, it's it, it's a good Souths run. Um, I would not not buy him. It's hard, isn't it? Because again, we go for the team makeups and stuff. Let's um let's move away from the halves and just finish on. I, I was quite surprised that we had Tino being traded in so much and Jermaine Hopgood. Uh, Tino's obviously playing Origin. He's not going anywhere. He looks like a phenomenal front row forward option at the moment. Um, he's got 103, 108 the last two weeks. But you got to go back oh, to round seven to the last time he didn't score 60 plus. He's been killing it this year. Uh, but he's 770,000, Tim. And I just, I look at it and go, well, is this really the week to grab big Tino in? I was a bit surprised he's in the top 10 most traded in. Yeah, absolutely, mate. That surprises me. I, I had no idea until you just mentioned it. Look, that's um, oh, it's a little bit bonkers as far as I'm concerned. He's obviously got the jewel, which is really handy, but um, surely he's he's going to. He played big minutes last week uh, when most of us thought that he probably wouldn't. Maybe there's a world where Fafita plays more minutes in round 17 and Tino has a bit of a rest. Maybe they sort of even it out. The fact that they've just played or they're playing three games in eight days or something ridiculous. I know he's young, but, geez, he's not bulletproof. Um, I'm really surprised on that particular trade-in. I'd be holding off for sure. Likewise, Jermaine Hopgood. Um, not that I don't think he's a decent purchase, but... Uh, Ryan Madison's due about round 16. That's one thing. Um, the other thing, too, is that he's got to be in the mid-60s. So there's not really any reason to be going out and getting Jermaine Hopgood. The last guy in the top 10 is actually Nikara. And Britain Nikara has been uh, going really well and been really popular. Um, I'd rather buy him than these other back rowers. In fact, I'd, I'd rather buy Kieran Kalamatangi and John Bateman, who we already spoke about. Like Those are the buys. Even Britain Nikara... He's a good player, and I'd have him over guys like Hopgood this week and stuff. But he's playing Melbourne away, and he's got a ninety break even. All these guys can wait a week. You got three. You got three trades next week, Tim. And if you got boost, you got four. Yeah, absolutely. He's one that I've been waiting on, just keeping an eye on his price. Um, he had a hundred plus BE last week and a ninety this week, so he's. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping he knocks out a sixty, sixty-five, or something like that this week, and then becomes a bit cheaper next week and. He's certainly one of the players that I'll be picking up next week if I can uh, can make things work. Yeah, I, look, I will say to finish up on this before we go the quick machine gun round 15 is Nicara, I, I wouldn't, if somebody was really sold on having him this week and needed someone, I wouldn't talk him out of it, you know, because Nicara is probably the guy out of those ones that we just, uh, out of like the Hopgood type of guys that you'd keep until the end. You know Hopgood's going to be a potential sell. And you know, round 16, there's going to be, you know, other guys that you're going to want in your second row. I, I would certainly rather at this point, and this is a bit of a strategy thing for me, but I don't have a huge amount of trades. I have saved some. I try and prioritise guys that I can keep in for the whole year now, if it's an option. So Britain Nicara can be a top second row forward I can keep for the year. Um, John Bateman, especially with his buy schedule, I can keep him all year. Kieran Kalamatangi, I can keep him all year. Hopgood, I'm not going to keep all year. We know that his role is going to be devalued once Madison comes back, once Origin is over. So, you know, I don't see the need to really push getting him in when you've got these other options. He might go well in the buy round, but so will these other guys if they're playing. And if you're really short there when you come to the buy, make him one of your three or four trades. Yeah, (laughs) your your logic is certainly sound, mate, and I don't disagree at all. So round 15, 
Tim, we, this is the one where we go through machine gun game by game and have a quick look, particularly focusing on the C and the VC options. Titans and Tigers. Can we just all take a moment of silence for the fallen VC option that we would have had in Fafita if he was studying? <laughs> it's, uh, it's probably the only one there. Uh, I have seen AJ Brimson thrown up as a bit of a smoky, um, and that's probably the discussion in this one. That's probably the pod play. Um, someone like AJ Brimson is a 5'8 or fullback. Uh, he's someone maybe worth considering as an ultra pod. But for me, uh, I think the ultra pod VC move at the moment, this is a week where captaincy and vice captaincy is quite tricky. Jareem Buller has gone two weeks in a row, 100 plus, playing the Titans, who love to give up points to an opposing fullback. Sounds crazy. I didn't even, you know, I was 50 50 on buying him last week. I can see him this week with the way the matchups are that he can be a VC option. Yeah, look, mate, he's currently my VC. I've traded him in this week and uh, and put the VC armband straight on him. It uh, was a bit of a no-brainer once Fafita was out. Yeah, it, it is one where you do like to sort of ride the trends and uh, it's, a, it's a good trend to ride with 200s in a row for him. Uh, moving along, the Raiders and Warriors on the Friday night. This one doesn't have anything particularly relevant. Some of the pod uh, masters group with the other podcasters, a few of them disagreed with me a little bit. I actually quite like Horse on the Edge. Um, I, I mean, I don't like him heaps more than in the middle, but I just I like that he gets 80 minutes and he's got a bit of an opportunity to get his arm away more and to score more points and clutch tax stats. I don't care either way. Um, I think he's okay, but the biggest problem for me is him moving to the middle this week is that it means a 13 jumbo is on him and not Joseph Tuppany. And Tuppany at 10 scores about 14 less points than what we've seen him score at 13, even though it's only a two-game sample size at 13 this year. I really don't like that. Um, it might make Tapini a sell in a few weeks when Origin's over and stuff for me as well. Um, but that's probably the notable change for this one. Um, as far as VC and C goes, I don't think he could go as Sean Johnson, especially when Nico gets taken out of the equation. But, you know, the, the team of the week last week, Tim, the number one team that won the 1000 bucks in Supercoach, captaincy on Sean Johnson. Yeah, it was certainly a left-field option, mate. The other ones that I'd be interested in this week is um, out of this particular game, maybe like a CNK, uh, DWZ, uh, Dallin Matani-Zelezak has been playing really, really well lately. Uh, bit of a smoky option in your centre wing. Yeah, and you mentioned DWZ. I mean, I've got to do a half apology there too. But the, the big ones last week that um, were big trade-ins that I was real 50-50 on, DWZ wasn't even 50-50 on. I thought it was a bad trade-in. Um, I thought that he wasn't. He was, you know, destined to make 50k and then go back to his ordinary 30, 30s and 40s and 50s and not do much else because that's been his whole career. You know, it's uh, it's it's hard to get around. Still, he's gone 128 and he's followed that up with 85. One of those tries was an intercept try that never should have happened, and he would have been on like 60, but he did score it. So you know, well done to the people that did trade him in as a port option. Could you do it though, Tim? He's got a negative fourteen break even. He's six hundred thirty three thousand. Like, I, I couldn't do it last week. There's no way I could do it this week with the Raiders and then having the buy in round sixteen. No, that's right, mate. Not at six hundred thirty k. We had a really fairly in depth chat with him uh, about him. Sorry, on the off the bench podcast last week and. Yeah, look, he's one that I'd been keeping an eye on for probably the last three or four weeks. He's somebody who does have a decent ceiling when he gets there, but he's also got a fairly low floor and does tend to go missing. The one thing I will say is now that he's back at the Dolph, uh, sorry, at the, the, the try again, blah, 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 tongue-tied, now that he's back at the Warriors, 
um, and and sort of back in New Zealand. He's a Kiwi himself. So, look, he's got away from the Bulldogs and away from um, from all the other issues that he's had over the years. And he just seems to be playing much better at the Warriors than he has been in in a very long time and certainly starting to string some games back-to-back. So although I've got no doubt his scores might stay up there, whether or not he's worth the 630, 650-odd K that he's at at the moment, I, yeah, I can't pay for it myself. Yep. Um, pickle bet with these guys. Raiders $1.55. I have to finish up by saying it is Jared Croker's 300th game celebration. Yeah. They rested him a week to do. Yeah. So this is this has got Raiders written all over it at GIA Stadium. There's no way they're not winning this one, um, which is the other reason why I, I would not captain or VC Sean Johnson. I I just think that the Raiders are going to be really up for this one. Do you, do you see it going any other way? No, not a chance, mate. I can't stand the Raiders. My older brother's a, uh, a Canberra Raiders country member and uh, and give each other plenty of sticks throughout the season, that's for sure. I haven't heard the end of it, the fact that the Raiders have been one of the only teams that have beaten the Broncos so far this year. So um, so I'm not living that down anytime soon. And this, But this is exactly why I'd be having a a sneaky VC on Croker or on uh, Jackie White, and I think they'll go well this weekend. Moving right along, uh, we've got Manly playing, and the big news is that they just got an exemption to play Tom Trebojevic against the Dolphins team. Bullshit! We're not even going to half discuss the rules even because it's it's too difficult and will take far too long, but it does throw up some interesting super coach options, though, doesn't it, Tim? Because, I mean... Look, Turbo, you kind of assume should be in origin, but I mean, there's a lot of people talking saying that I wouldn't pick him, which I'm surprised about, but he's going around. I think that one of the things is you're going against the crowd by looking at buying someone like Trevojevic because obviously people expect him to be picked in origin, but he's also got a BE close to zero and at 666,000 through duels, when we talked about those dual moves that you can do through a Dylan Brown, if he's out or Nathan Cleary, he could be a real pod play this week um, that people aren't purchasing. It's certainly a pod purchase and playing at home in this type of matchup, coming off a 165 point super coach score in his last outing against the Dolphins team, traveling to four points. This has got Turbo Tun written all over it for me, especially with him under pressure with the origin side. So to me, like the downside is that you get 100 plus from Turbo and you're going to make a, a heap of cash and he's probably going to be one of your end fullbacks anyway if he stays healthy. But that's the downside. The upside is if he gets cut from the origin team, you get those points this week, you get Turbo to make 100K within a fortnight and he's going to cover some buy round. You know, like it, it's actually a pretty good zag away from, from the general public who have been selling a lot of Tom Trevojevich stocks the last fortnight to the point that I'd actually even say, forget about the 100 points, you could get 200 points if you throw the C on him or VC and then loop him. Yeah, look, I couldn't agree more. He's um, If you've got the, the if you've got him in your squad, he's absolutely a VC play this week. Um, and, yeah, look, it, it could be a left-field option as a trade-in as well. Me personally, I don't see a world where you guys don't pick him. You you need points after round one, uh, sorry, origin one. And let's be honest, no one scores points at, uh, at any level better than what Tommy Turbo does. He can just pluck something out of nothing. So I think he's the kind of player that you guys need for game two, regardless of how average he played in game one. If he's, uh, if he's 98.9% fit, then you've got to have him in your squad at centre. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, but, you know, 
not picking the side, of course. So we'll wait and see what happens. Um, certainly for teams that aren't worried about the buys, if you're a head-to-head player, geez, it's a big head-to-head player to get Tom Trevojevic in this week. Um, I, I really like it. I think that he's going to really fire against the Dolphins and we could be seeing a really big score from him. And probably before before his uh, before his um, value blows out, he's uh, if he's someone that you want to bring in between now and the end of end of the series, then um, oh, sorry, bef- between now and the end of the season, then yeah, absolutely. Before he, his value gets blown out, he's probably it's, it's probably now or never unless he comes back and throws out some short scores. Yeah, and he's going to be in the in the two hard basket for a lot of teams. Like he's only sixteen percent owned yeah. at the moment, which is crazy for Turbo, um, but for a lot of teams. He's going to be behind a Munster, a Cleary, a Hines, a Grant, um, even a Fafita potentially because there's all these other fullbacks that they might own that they think can just keep on going like a Reese Walsh if they've kept him and the trail might be prioritised over him and so forth. He could be a really astute one because he might only get up to 24 25% ownership for the run home. And that's great for Turbo if he's healthy. So, yeah, a, a bit of a pod play there in that game for sure. Uh, moving along, the Broncos and the Knights. Reese Walsh versus Knights, uh, I think that he's going to be the one that people might look towards as either a VC or a C option. Um, someone like Nico Hines is obviously always an option. He's playing the Storm, but he's still a bit of an option. He's playing later, so you can put some mid to late VCs on if you want to go that route. I really don't know what's going to happen in this one, mate. So I'll, like, I'll pass over to you as a resident Queenslander here. Like The Broncos have been going really well. They had a good win against the Sharks last week. I think it looks a lot better on paper than what it was watching. Like the Sharks had that many errors and actually had really good line breaks on on the edges of the ruck for them. Um, The Knights are obviously normally the struggling team, but they've put on a lot of points lately. Someone like Greg Margie was carved up and scored 150 plus against a weak edge. And him and Dom Young in that last game made him pay. Uh, It didn't make any errors when they got the ball out wide and they got opportunities. So it's a hard one to pick for me because, like, obviously the Broncos are heavy favourites. You know, dollar twenty on pickle bet, everyone's going to back them. But are the Knights a bit of a smoky here to maybe, um, you know, push the Broncos a bit? Uh, as a Broncos member, I hope not. But as a uh, super coach and NRL enthusiast, yeah, look, it wouldn't surprise me, mate. Um, the Knights have got nothing to lose, and they're a bit of a uh, bit of a scary team to come up against at the moment. They've got enough quality in there. This could also be a bit of a, what would you say, like a, a Talon Ponga versus Reese Walsh type game. Um, obviously, Ponga's probably got his nose out of joint a little bit. Whether he comes out and says that or not, it's a completely different equation. But he'd obviously have his nose out a little bit in, uh, with Reese Walsh picking up that number one jersey. And Kalen certainly would like to think that he deserves that spot or it was certainly his jersey to lose. So, look, it's... Um, I think you could you could do worse than going a VC or a C option on either one of those two, as I've got no doubt they're out to prove a point. I think guys also, um, is Tyson Frizzell back in for this game? I, I haven't seen teams late this afternoon, but uh, he's another one who could certainly go big in this game. Yeah, so they do have Frizzell back. Um, and I do I do think that the Knights will come firing. I, I really like you, Caitlin Pogginpork, as well as about to bring it up. Like you're talking about left field options. For some of these guys, yeah, certainly we talked about halfbacks out, but even 5.8s. Kalen Pong is 5.8 eligible, and he's one of those handy dual 5.8 uh, fullback options as well. So aside from one game, he's actually gone really well. Um, since he returned, he's gone 58, bad game of 114, 50, and 77. He's only priced at 579,000. So he's certainly a cheap option. 
I couldn't talk anybody out of it, to be honest. Like, if you want to have a pod play at Ponga, I 100% agree that he's going to step up against uh, Reese Walsh and, and try and fire. I guess the only thing is, Tim, like I watched that last game, he scored 77 against Manly, but I thought there was three different times he might have been HIA'd. Yeah, yeah, and that's the hard part, mate. I, I started with him at the start of the season and, and after his first knockout, that was uh, the, the first point where I just went, no, yeah, I can't do it again. And oh, I've contemplated it over the last three or four weeks, but you just can't do it to yourself because every game he just seems to be laying down. How he came back last week, I've got no idea. I don't know how the independent doctor didn't step in and go, look, mate, that's two or three in a game. And it's probably time you go and sit down now, regardless of what his symptoms look like and whatever else. They were two pretty horrific ones. Um, and and con- considering the history that he's got, I know they don't like to take that into account, but considering the history that he's got, how he came back on the field after the last game, I've got no idea. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a real hard one. Um, I, I owned him as well at the start of the year and had to obviously sell him. So I, I can't go back there. I think one of the things, like I've considered him, and obviously not playing Origin, he's actually going to come around 16 and 17. 16's against the Roosters, but they're going to be without a couple of Origin players, notably Teddy. Um, 17 against the Panthers, but they might not have Origin players back up either. So all of a sudden, that draw actually looks okay, and he's going to cover both of those big buy and mini buy rounds in 16 and 17. So I definitely think he's an option. One of the things that makes me feel okay about not getting him is that he doesn't seem to have a, have the ceiling that he used to. Um, we've seen him score 117. You can kind of live with that, but you know some of his other scores and stuff, They've been solid 70s when he's looked really good, but he just doesn't have as much base attack as he used to and he's not goal-kicking. So I think that you can sort of steer clear with him with that in mind that maybe if he scores well, it's sort of a 70 or 80 and you can make that up. He's not going to be a turbo 150 anymore. I don't see that happening. But, you know, stranger things have happened. We'll move along. The Roosters and the Panthers. Uh, as a Roosters fan, I'm really happy that... Uh, we're not going to have to see Nathan Cleary because the last game, I think we got done 48 to four or something like that. But um, it's it's one of those things where I think everyone still expects Penrith to tick on and still be good. Um, I sort of think that maybe it'll take him a couple of weeks and certainly with the side that they've got, you know, Jack Cogger isn't a short O'Sullivan that they had the year before who actually went really well in Cleary's absence. Not not confident as a Roosters fan at all. We'll probably still lose, but I think that we've actually got a chance this week. Am I being a bit too confident there? No, I think if you're ever going to have a, a, a decent crack at the Panthers, I think this is the round to do it. I think, the well, we've all said all year that the Roosters have certainly got the stock. Uh, it's just a case of they need to put all the puzzle pieces together. The Panthers, on the other hand, I think they're going to be a different team without Nathan Cleary, and I think Jack Cogger, as good a player as he is, he's... Uh, like you said, I don't think he's even going to Sean O'Sullivan in this day and age. So, yeah, look, it's uh, and, and let's be honest, Jerome Luai, although he's he had a decent couple of games over the last two or three weeks, he's been well short this season of what he was last season. So, look, it's um, I'll be tipping the Roosters for this one, despite at the moment them uh, not being the favourites. Oh, nice tip. I feel a bit better. Teddy's gone 118 the last two weeks in a row. Uh, even as an ardent Teddy supporter and Roosters fan, there is no way I can put the captaincy or vice-captaincy on him. Uh, I'd love it if he has a big game. There's only three teams that Teddy has never scored a, a ton against. One of them is the Roosters, who he's played most of his career for now. The other two, the Dolphins, who only just started this year and he played one game against, and the Penrith Panthers. So 
really the Panthers are the only real team that he doesn't have any history of scoring tons against. Can he do it the first time ever? Maybe. I hope he does, but I'm not going to put a C or a VC on to find out. Uh, I do like the value for the Roosters, though. $2.55, you get them on pickle bet. But the Storm and Sharks, Tim, this one, I do not know what to make of it. Like, you are a Brisbane fan. You would have watched that game closely last week. Did you think that the Sharks had the opportunities to be able to win that game from your mob last week and it's just made too many errors? Because I, I certainly kind of felt that way after the game. Yeah, look, I think for much of the game, they had something in the vicinity of about 57% possession. So, look, they've, they've certainly got the stock over... Look, I'll be brutally honest, I tipped the Sharks over uh, over my Broncos. So that was a little bit of a sore point for me personally. I, I didn't, uh, didn't, didn't go with the heart, went with the head. But, um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. The, the, the Sharks, they for whatever reason, they just didn't click last week. They only scored two converted tries and um, and just obviously fell short. Yeah, it's it's one of those games where I think you're probably better off staying away from it on the, on the captaincy options. It's the second-last game as well. But Nico Hines is obviously involved. He's only played one game against his former club since leaving them for the Sharks, and that was one game for 35 points. Obviously, hasn't played them yet this year. Doesn't really have anything to go off. I think with the Storm, we do feel like they're a tough team to play against, but they have been really quite susceptible at times on their edges and out wide. Um, certainly, you know, with who they're, who they're rolling out there, they've got Grant Anderson playing in the centres for this one because we've got Justin Olam out. That's Coates and Grant Anderson there. Uh, Grant Anderson had some, I don't know if you remember, but he got targeted badly and he had some really bad stuff ups defensively. Um, when he debuted that season. So I'm sure they'll target that side. Um, and the, there's been susceptibility there. So, I mean, I think the Sharks can actually score some points here. Is it enough to actually go, look, I'm, I'm just going to stick and roll with Nico because he doesn't score low? It's, he hasn't scored a ton for a little while now, Tim. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting. I think the one thing to note is that the Melbourne Storm, as, as high as they are on the ladder, they're not the team that they have been for the last of forever, basically. Their forward pack is just, I think they're probably one or two guns short. Um, and I think that's resemblance too on the fact that Christian Welsh, for as good as he is and he's a club captain, Christian Welsh is still not making the Queensland team, which shows you probably how well or how poorly the Melbourne Storm have been going despite their position on the table. So, look, it, it would not surprise me if, Either side of the coin, uh, Munster kicks into gear, Hughes kicks into gear, and and they do a number on the Sharks, uh, especially considering the way the Sharks played last week. But, look, uh, I can also see a world where Nico Hines can turn up in this game and uh, the Sharks can do a bit of a number, especially through their forward pack on the Melbourne Storm this round. I think that Nico is still the safe option. And the low score he's got against the Dolphins, 40 points. The other eight scores of his nine games have been 71-plus. Seven of his nine have been 89-plus. You're almost guaranteed to hit 80-plus and probably more than likely 90-plus, even against the Storm. I think that's a pretty good um, floor for him. You might cop a 75 or something. I think in the 2023 Storm side, he's still going to have that as a bit of a floor. So I'm definitely going to be looking at him for the captaincy unless I'm going real bad in some head-to-heads or I see something else. But to me, he still sees a safe one, even though it's away from points, but stadium, even though it's against the storm. It's just one of those rounds, Tim, where you've got a lot of VC options that you can play around with. But for a straight C, there isn't many that are sturdy this round. No, look, I agree, mate. At the moment, like I said, I've, 
I've got the VC on Jerome Buller and uh, and the captaincy on Nico Hines. I think he's he's your safe bet at the moment. And like you said, you you can fairly safely say that he's he's going to get a seventy at worst, and an average game for him is an eighty or a ninety. So yeah, look, he's he's certainly with the way my money's going at the moment. We've got the dogs and the eels finishing off. Now I talked about safe captaincy options. If you don't like safety and you want to bring Mitchell Moses in. I tell you what, as a Mitchell Moses owner, have you actually thought about captaining him this week? Because I've thought about it several times. I've I, I had flicked it between Mitch Moses and uh, Nico a few times, mate. Yes, absolutely, and that's only just this afternoon. I'm sure there'll be ten more changes between now and the end of the week. Yeah, he's got a 114 point score as his max score versus the Dogs, um, and that's in his top half a dozen max scores as well. So he's played well against them before. Um, it's one of those things where I think you know the Dogs have been letting in a good amount of points and they've been a bit of a mix of understrength and also having some youngsters out there as well. Karaz comes back. So they do get a bit of experience out there and someone that's a keen watch uh, for the next couple of weeks for that big buy, but it's playing away from Combank. It is at a core, but I do expect the Eels to go well, particularly if Dylan Brown is playing. If Dylan Brown's out, do you think that's actually going to help guys like Gutho and Moses? Or do you think it's going to hinder them in this matchup? Yeah, look, to be honest, I really don't know. Um, just trying to bring up Gutho's facts and figures at the moment as far as Supercoach goes. Um, I've got Gutho in my team as my backup fullback. He hit, uh, just trying to bring it up, 113 in round nine. That's his only ton for the season, strangely enough, for Gutho. He's been punching along really well, though. With uh, He's got a total average of 69.1. Um and yeah, look, three round average of fifty four point three, five round of sixty eight six. But the fact that Gutho, for for all that he is and all that he uh, he brings to that Eels team, has only turned up once this season, is starting to scare me a little bit. I I actually think he's onto a ton this week. He, he's got a high score of one hundred forty versus Dogs. It's actually his best, uh, his second best ever score. And I, I love that game. Like, it was just magic, that game. And if Dylan Brown is out, I can see them giving Gutho more ball and those balls that Dylan Brown sometimes gets out and Sevo goes over in the corner, I can see Gutho doing his face ball across to Sevo a few more times and that probably coming off against the Dogs. So I, I quite like Gutho if Brown is out. I, if Brown's in, I still like him versus the Dogs this week. I reckon he's a sneaky ton chance. I, I agree, mate, and and that was sort of the way that I was heading. He's um so he's got 140 against the dogs. He also plays Manly the week after or next week, uh, where his high score is 127. Um, so basically, everyone over the next uh, what is it about the next 10 rounds, he's turned up against. Obviously, not the Dolphins who he plays in 17. He's at a 98 as a top score against the Warriors and a 92 as a top score against St. George. Outside of that, he's basically tunned up every game, and there's some fairly solid tons in there as well. In five weeks' time, plays the Gold Coast, uh, sorry, the North Queensland Cowboys with a max of 166. So, yeah, look, he's um, he's. this is why I brought him in, and I'm holding him specifically for this period of time. I really like the Eels in this one. It's not a safe play. It's certainly going to be a, a pod play to have a look at this game with them because I think that they could really fire this week, especially when you consider that guys like Moses are on an origin audition, right? That's a big deal. Sebo, 
also went the first seven rounds with four out of those seven games scoring a double, has only scored a, a two or more tries once in the half a dozen games after that. So he is prime for a double against the Dogs. Um, and if he does, he's normally looking at sort of a 75 to 85 type of range. But he is the sort of guy that against the Gold Coast Titans round 10 had that 124. I think they'll attack that side for the Dogs quite a bit. So he's sort of your pod play, but probably not someone that people could certainly captain. Um, but he's a massive hand grenade pod if anyone wanted to buy him for the buy. He's not going to get a huge amount cheaper with a 96 PE. Uh, you might save like 20K uh, on that round 16 purchase. If you're planning on purchasing him in round 16, you're going to have to shuffle some of these round 16 purchases to this round. And he's a guy that I think could pay off if you do it this round because it, it's a big pod play to buy him this week at his price tag, but he could easily get at, at least a try this week and probably two plus, I reckon, I'm going to bank on as an owner. Especially with people that are looking at bringing in um, Buller, he's he's what eighty k, yeah, just under eighty k more than what Buller is. Well, mate, that is the round. Thanks very much for jumping on, Tim. Really appreciate it, mate. It was a lot of fun. You came on to a couple last year, and it was good. We'll certainly get you on again. No, thanks very much for having me, mate. It's been really good. Awesome. Well, if you want to check out Tim and the other boys, get onto the Supercoach Off the Bench podcast. You can find it on YouTube as well and watch them. But And if you love this podcast, you can find us everywhere, Amazon, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Make sure you subscribe on all of them as well. Um, you get the podcast straight away. And also follow us on Twitter, NRO underscore SC underscore Allstars. Jump on picklebet.com as well. You'll be surprised at the great markets they've added lately. And use the affiliate referral code of Allstars, all one word when you sign up, so they make sure they take great care of you because they'll see straight away you're one of our listeners. This is a round of absolute carnage. Good luck with everyone's moves. Remember, next week for round 16, we will do a big buy podcast and that'll cover all the different big buy options. Until then, if you do have too many buys next week for the big buy, make sure you get them this week. Good luck with your team. Have fun watching the footy. Talk to everyone about Supercoach again next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid. And all that is Only shooting stars.